I just have to sing it, Matt. I can't help it. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Anybody else but me want to testify to that this morning, of his great faithfulness? You know, it, in the midst of everything that's going on, and it just keeps on happening, you guys. It just keeps on happening. It just keeps on happening. It just keeps on rolling out. Oh, how I wish I could stop the tide. Oh, how I wish that I could say to Jesus, um, no, Jesus, you were wrong. No, I don't want to ever say that. But how, how I wish Jesus was wrong when he said, what you're going to experience is the world of major dec decline in spiritual reality in the world, in the decline of moral humanity. Wow. But in the midst of it all, great is his faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. For those who follow Christ, surely, the promise is, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And there is a day coming where I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Can I say it one more time? Forever. I just wanted to say it. Let me just, yeah. You want to say it with me? Just one more time. Just think about that. Forever. And forever is a very long time. Praise the Lord. So we're going to open our Bibles um, this morning. So take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hopefully you brought a Bible. If you don't have one, I think there's one in the seat pocket in front of you. If there isn't one, then just snuggle up to the person next to you that has one. And um, we're going to dig into the Word and... Can I just be honest with you at the very start of this? That just I'm honest with my feelings. I'm always I'm always honest with you, but I just share my feelings with you. It's getting harder and harder to speak the truth. It's getting harder and harder to proclaim God's word. And we were having an elder meeting this week, and I said to the guys, I said, you know what? It'd be much easier just to be safe. But I can't be safe. And here's why. The word is not safe. In fact, the word of God, which is the truth of God's, this is God's word. We believe this is truth. This is written by the hand of God, the hand of men that was superintended by the Holy Spirit who breathed into them the very words to say, which means this is the inspired word of God and it can be trusted. The only reason that you get um, emotionally encouraged by words like we just saying, of great is your faithfulness to me, the only way we know about God's faithfulness is by what he says in his word, and then we live in it because we are recipients of it. And so, you know what I'm relieved of? I'm relieved that it's not dependent upon my ability to speak the word in a way that works because all on my own, whatever I say won't work unless it's energized supernaturally by the Holy Spirit of God. And thank God that every time we open his word together and we read his word out, wasn't that awesome last week? Were you encouraged last week to hear just 
just verse after verse after verse spoken by the words, the heartfelt voices of God's people and just speaking the word over us. How encouraging was that? And what's, what we know to be true is that God's word is faithful. It's alive, all right? It's alive. It doesn't depend on me to, to bring it to life. It is alive and it will go forth. And God promises, my word will not return to me empty. When I send it out, it will do what I have intended for it to do. And so, Lord, I just want to ask you right now, by your Holy Spirit, to do that today. In spite of me, no matter what I might say or don't say or whatever I might mess up, would you just take your word and apply it to our hearts, and bring change to our lives today. We, we submit ourselves to that process today. That's why we're here. I thank you that you're here. So help us in this today. By your spirit, and in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, here we go. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. We're picking up where I left you last week. These are the words, the very last words I left with you as we left, as we walked out of here last week. And they are these words, Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, and here's what we're leaning into today, especially now that the day of the Lord's return is drawing near. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Your version of the Bible might say this, and all the more. How many of you have that in your Bible? All the more as you see the day approaching. And all the more as you see the day approaching, especially now. So what the writer of Hebrews is wanting to say to us is that those of us who know the Lord, as we move closer to the return of the Lord, especially now that the Lord's return is right around the corner, we need to be growing in some things in an ever-increasing manner. All the more. But what are the all the mores that we need to be doing? That's what we're going to talk about today. All the more, as you see the day approaching, these are the things that you need to be doing. And the first thing, as we jump right into this, into your notes, the first thing is we need to hold tight to hope. Hold tight to hope. Man, I hope this just inspires you today. Because there are some times where hope wanes. And it's hard to find some hope in everything that we've got going on in our worlds. Not even to mention what's going on in the world around us. Sometimes just in our own family, just in our own relationships, just in my own personal dealing with myself, it's hard to find hope sometimes. And what we are told that Especially now, as we see the return of the Lord drawing near, and all the more as you see the day approaching, hold tight to hope. Look at verse 23. Let us hold tightly and without wavering to the hope that we affirm. Now, Titus helps us with this. I'm going to show you Titus 2.13, because the for the believer, the hope that he's talking about is actually called the blessed hope. And in Titus 2, Paul tells us that it is the blessed hope is the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what we are supposed to be holding tightly to, especially now, and all the more as we see the day approaching, is to the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You notice that he, that he, Paul calls it, our blessed hope. You know why it's called blessed? Because of the joy that it will bring to us at his appearing. That's why it's called the blessed hope. It's like the exhilaration of the first glance between a bride 
and her groom as she turns the corner to come down the aisle and they see each other for the first time. I actually got to experience that this past weekend where I sat in a wedding where the groom stands at the front and he's all anxious, right? He's ready and he's waiting and it's like you could tell that everything else is just background noise because all he's thinking about is here she comes, here she comes, here she comes. And as she comes around the corner on the arm of her father who's bringing her down and they see each other. That is a beautiful picture of Christ and his church and our glorious, our blessed hope of his glorious appearing because there is coming a day and very soon, you guys, where the Lord Jesus is coming back for his bride and we get to see him. How awesome is it gonna be to see Jesus for the first time? Forget those stupid, crazy pictures. See, I can't, I gotta get off of words like stupid, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on it, I'm working on it. But I could tell you that those pictures that we see of Jesus that's not Jesus. He's very unique, and he's coming in all of his glory. He's coming in all of his glory, and we will see him for who he is. What a wonderful, blessed hope we have of the return, the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, um, in this context, as we see the day approaching... By watching the decline of humanity and we as, as we experience the suffering that will come and the persecution that will come because we are Christ followers, Paul says to the Romans that when we see Christ, this is what he says, this is keeping in context with our blessed hope, that when we see Christ, all the trials of this life will be over. That's a really good point for like a big old amen or a big old sigh of relief. All of our trials of this world will be over, he says, and our present suffering will not be worthy to compare to the glory that will be revealed on that day. There is, there is the hope of the return, the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now hear me, this hope is much more than just wishing something would happen. The hope isn't, okay, I'm going to tell you what it isn't. The hope isn't, oh, I hope Jesus comes back someday. Wouldn't that be cool if Jesus would come back someday? That's not the hope we're talking about here at all. In fact, write this down. I've got it on the screen. Hope is this, to expect with confidence that something is going to happen. In this case, the appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that confidence is rooted in trust. That's what this hope is talking about. It's not like, oh, I hope it happens. It's no, it's going to happen. That's what we look to. That is the glorious, blessed hope of the believer that Christ is coming back. And we can have confidence and expect it to happen because it's rooted in trust. In fact, the rest of the verse in verse 23 helps us with this. Let's go back and read it again. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm and the backside of the verse says, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Anybody want to say amen to that? Now, we know that. The longer you live in Christ, the more you know. Great is his faithfulness. God can be trusted to keep his promises. He's never let you down. <laughs> some, of you, some of you look like... Um, kind of feels like it. Well, whatever that feeling is, that's not God. God has never broken a promise. He's never reneged on a promise. He's never, he's never been slow to fulfill his promises, even though it might feel slow to us. He'll always fulfill his promises. He always has. Thank God he's not like us. I will fail you. I will let you down. I will make a promise and forget I even made the promise and not fulfill, fulfill it. And you'll go through the rest of your life going, you said you would do this and you never did. Yeah, because I'm broken. I am very broken. But God never forgets. God always delivers. God is faithful. And you can trust in his faithfulness to his promises that it will happen. Jesus told us he would return. John 14, 3, so he's going to return. The angels told us that he would return 
in Acts chapter 1, so he's going to return. All the letters to the churches tell us of his coming. And Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Praise the Lord for that. So what we need to be doing in an ever-increasing manner, especially now as we see the return of the Lord Jesus Christ coming, is to hold tight to the hope of the blessed, glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now that's going to change us, though. So if you're going to hold on to that hope, you've got to get ready to change. <laughs> are you up for the challenge? Balcony people, are you, up in the, are you up for the challenge? All right, at home, I hope you're up for the challenge. Here it comes. John tells us this in 1 John 3, 3. All who have this hope in him, in Jesus Christ, will purify themselves just as Jesus is pure. So we don't just hang on to hope that Jesus is coming. It's got to change us in some way, and it's got to deliver something through us, and that is a purified church. In other words, the tighter we hold to the hope of his return, the more our perspectives change on how we live. And what is specifically going to change in the context of this passage in Hebrews chapter 10 is how we view his church. And so what should happen as we hold tightly to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, it should result in loving the body. More and more, which is the next thing on our notes, the more and more we need to be loving the body of Jesus Christ. Especially now that we see the day of the Lord's return. All the more as we see his day approaching, love the church, church. Love the body of Christ. Are you up for it? Are you sure? Because it's going to take some skin. You're going to have to give something in order to love the body of Christ. You know why? In fact, you're going to have to suffer some pain in order to love the body of Christ. You know why? Because we're a bunch of people. And we're broken and we're fickle. It's kind of hard to love people sometimes. But that's what people do in the body of Christ. They love the body of Christ. And your glorious, blessed hope of the return of the Lord should drive you to more and more love the body of Christ. Let's look at it. First of all, you need to dream on it. <laughs> You're going to love this part. All right, here we go. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Do you see it? You see it? We need to dream on it. You need to be thinking of ways to motivate one another. So let me ask you the question. <laughs> when was the last time you sat in a chair on your back deck and just daydreamed about motivating the people in the church to acts of love and good works? When was the last time you did that? Did you even know you were supposed to be doing that? What will you do now with that knowledge? Okay, because are you following me? In the context here of this passage, as we see the day approaching, do we all believe the end is near? Okay, as we see the day approaching, we need to be spending some time with a glass of iced tea on our back deck, dreaming up ways to motivate the church of Jesus Christ to love and good works. So what are you going to do this afternoon? Yes, you are, because you love Jesus, and you love his blessed, glorious coming. And because he's coming soon, you're going to daydream a bit about how to motivate the people of Jesus, this body right here. How are we going to motivate this group to love and good works? How awesome is that? You know, we do this with our kids, don't we? Don't we? Don't you sit and like daydream about the growth of your children and what they're involved in and their growth? I know you do. I know a lot. Some of you, like with the littler kids, you go to the doctor and you want them to tell you where on the growth chart is my kid. Am I right? 
Some of you are like crazy about that. I want to know. I want to know. Are they, are they in the percentile they're supposed to be? You're concerned about that. And you should be concerned about that. Right? If your child isn't growing at the rate they're supposed to, something is wrong. And you want to go at fixing whatever is wrong because your goal as a parent is to raise your child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and you want them to grow up the way that they should. And so within the body of Christ, you have, you have infants, right? Like when your child is an infant. How many of you are like Robin, my wife, Robin, and you want to freeze your child at a certain stage, put them in the freezer, and they never change? <laughs> Any other moms like that? She told all of our kids. That was all different ages. It was interesting. You know, James was a totally different animal than the, rest, than the girls were, you know. And she's like, yeah, I think I'll freeze you later. Let's get you through this part right here, okay? I love you, James. I don't know if you're here or not, but I love you, buddy. Are you here? Oh, good. I like talking about him when he's not here. <laughs> Nobody wants their child to stay as an infant. You, you, have, you, you want your child to grow to the next level of childhood in a healthy way. And then you want them to go into adolescence. And you want them to get through adolescence. And then they want to get to young adult, the young adult stage. And then they become fully grown, responsible, right? Responsible, functioning, God-loving, God-fearing adults. And then they're going to hit their senior time. Isn't that the progression? Isn't that the growth that you want to see? Well, what we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be daydreaming on how we can motivate the people around us in the body of Christ to grow from infancy all the way till their senior years and help them grow up through all of that. You know what's awesome? We have a team of men right now. I think you, I don't know if you have some women in that team either, but you, if you don't, you should. Do you hear me, Sean? Yeah, all right. <laughs> we have a team right now and what they're focused on is how do we put together a program in our body here where we, first of all, I can identify where our people are on the growth chart. And so they're actually daydreaming on, they're, they're thinking of ways that we can motivate people to grow from whatever level that they're at to the next level. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. You're not on an island by yourself in the body of Christ. You and I are supposed to be dreaming of ways and thinking of ways to help the person sitting next to you and behind you and in front of you and all through this building to help them and motivate them to love and good works. Because we can't just dream on it. We gotta act on it. How how ridiculous would it be if there if our team sat together for three months and worked on ways to create growth in our people? And when they get it all done and they get it in a nice package, they set it aside, put a couple of other books on top of it, walk away and said, Well, we took care of that. We dreamed on it. Dreaming on something doesn't do anything until you act on it, right? So not only are we to dream on loving the body of Christ, we are supposed to act on it. And look at verse 24 and 25. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Uh-oh. Are you really going to? I, I'm not, you guys, I'm just preaching the word here. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not making any kind of statement. I'm just going right down to the next part of the verse. And the way that we act on the dreaming, the way that we build up the body of Jesus Christ and love on the body of Jesus Christ is to gather together and not neglect the meeting of ourselves together. Some people do that, he said. But instead, when you gather together, you come together, and what do we do? We encourage one another. Jump over. You want to jump over to 1 Peter and look at this? 1 Peter talks about this. Peter talks about this in his first letter, I should say. 1 Peter 4, verse 7. 
This is his message to the church. The end of the world is coming soon. <laughs> what, Peter, what's wrong with you? It was like 2,000 years ago. What's wrong with you? Listen, every generation of Christians are to be living as though Jesus is coming soon. Now, we've been studying, and we can see the things that Jesus said were going to happen. But even back here when Peter was talking, he said, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, therefore, here's what you need to do. Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. That's a good thing. But look at the next verse. Most important of all. So, and all the more, especially in these days when the end is coming, the most important thing that you can do is to continue to show deep love for each other in the body of Christ. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing the passage? Are you hearing the message? The most important thing to do in the end of all times that is coming right on our doorstep is to love, earnestly love, the body of Jesus, the church. Continue to show deep love for each other and for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Now get this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, so use them well to serve one another. End times people act on loving the body of Christ. We gather together and we initiate the things that we're dreaming about on our back porch while we drink our iced tea to motivate the body to love and good works. That's what we're supposed to be doing knowing that we're close to the end and all the more as you see the day approaching. All the more. The practical application of this is start serving the body. Can I just tell you something? It doesn't work to just come to church. That's not what God wants from us. He doesn't want us to just come and sit and take in the word and then go home. The, act, applica the application, the practical application of this message here in, in Hebrews chapter 10 is start serving the body. Get after it and get moving. All the more. As we see Jesus return right around the corner, start serving the body. All the more, live in harmony with each other. All the more, be at peace with one another. All the more, accept one another and instruct one another. All the more, as you see the day approaching, agree with one another and look out for each other and wait on each other. All the more, have equal concern for each other. All the more, as you see the day approaching, greet one another with a holy kiss. In fact, let's just practice that right now. <laughs> Some of you got really uncomfortable last week because we had you gather in the groups and share your sins with each other and confess and pray for each other. Let's get really uncomfortable and let's just go ahead and let's just give each other a holy kiss. Next, just go ahead. You so weird, Phil. What seriously, what are you waiting for? Listen to me. What does it mean? That's what people do when they love each other. We're not going to, you know, just start smooching and everything at church, but are you showing affection to one another in the body of Christ? That's what Christians do. That's what, that's what people do. That's what end times Christian people do. All the more, as you see the day approaching, comfort one another and carry each other's burdens and bear with each other. Ooh, ooh. Speak truthfully to each other and be kind and compassionate to one another and forgive each other. All the more. All the more. Show forbearance because we're broken, fickle people. Do we even get a chance? Can we even have any space to make a mistake anymore? Yes, we can in the body of Christ. We're supposed to bear with each other and put up with each other. But speak truth to each other. 
and forgive each other. Right? All the more as we see the day approaching, gather together. Now, I just jumped. No, <laughs> I can't. i got to keep going. Be kind and compassionate to one another and forgive one another and submit to each other out of reverence for Christ and look to the interest of each other and teach each other and admonish one another and encourage one another and build each other up and exhort one another. Spur one another on to love and good works is what we're talking about here. Gather together all the more as we see the day approaching. Confess our sins to each other so that healing may come. And pray for each other and offer hospitality to each other. And here it is, clothe ourselves in humility toward one another and have fellowship with each other. And then this is encapsulating, this, this is over all of it, lay down our lives for each other. All the more as we see the day approaching, these are the things that we're supposed to be about. You know that these are all in the scripture. I didn't make that list up. This is just a sampling of all the things that the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to do for each other all the more as we see the day approaching. This kind of thing is totally unique to believers in the body of Christ because you will not find all of that. You won't find that list out in the world. This uncommon community that we have as the body of Christ is defined by Jesus when he said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. The way Christ loved us, sacrificially loved us, and gave his life, we're supposed to do for each other. Paul described it like this in Romans 12, 3. I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. That's humility. We, though many, are one body in Christ, and we all belong to each other. Verse 10, so love one another with genuine affection. I love this part. And outdo one another in showing honor. There's supposed to be some kind of great Sunday school contest going on in the church of Jesus Christ. It's to see how, how can, can let, I'm going I'm to see if I can outdo you in loving you and the body of Christ. We're supposed to actually be like elbowing, you know, get to the top. I want to be the guy who loves the body more than anyone else because I love Jesus Christ. And I love his glorious appearing. How are we doing on that? Let's try to outdo each other in motivating the body and loving the body to love and good works. You guys, it's totally doable. It's not doable if you don't know Jesus. It is totally doable if you're in Christ because you possess supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in order to help you love the body sacrificially because Christ loves you sacrificially. You have the ability to do it. It's totally doable. What if we broke the mold <coughs> what if we really bought into this whole thing what would the church look like <laughs> you know what somebody called me this week because of my preaching lately um, they called me a Christian nationalist this is what they actually wrote Okay, they said that I am leading you church and you are falling victims to an absolutely horrific version of Christian nationalism. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> do, you, let me, do you know what nationalism is? I looked it up. Do you know what nationalism is? This is what it is. A strong loyalty... Devotion and exaltation of one nation over another, and a nationalist is a person who spends all their energy to the promotion of the culture and interests of his nation. So this, guilty. Here's what I'm guilty of. Here's what I'm guilty of, okay? See, this is like American nationalism is, the ideals and the philosophy and the governance of America, 
being supreme, and we believe it is supreme, and therefore we want to, like England used, like Britain used to say, make the world England, okay? That's what it used to be. So American nationalism is make the world America. We believe in America so much and the process that works so well here that we want the whole world to join in on this. That's what American nationalism. How awesome is it to be a Christian nationalist? Okay, because here's what, here's what Christian nationalism is. Christian nationalism is that my belief and faith in Jesus Christ, my belief and faith in God and his word, my belief and faith in that there is only one way to heaven, there is only one Jesus, and there is only one gospel, and that is the best way anybody can live. That's the best thing for any person, any breathing human being, is to adopt the... Re, the the belief system of the Bible and his word, God and his word, and I want to make the whole world Christian. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And let me tell you something. If you, church, if you're falling victim to that leadership, then praise God. We're going to try and make the world Christian. How awesome is that? That's our goal. That's what the church is all about. And what we're being told by the writer of Hebrews is, church, as you see the day approaching, love the body of Christ, dream on ways to get them, to motivate them, to do the love and good works we're supposed to do, because when we do that, the whole world will know that we're Christ's disciples and will be drawn to the Father and drawn to the light, and we will make an influence on the world for Jesus Christ. The goal of every Christian is to make the world Christian. What a compliment. You want to know the name of the guy who wrote that? I'm smarter than that. I'm smarter than that. I just hope he's listening today. I believe there's nothing else like or above the church of Jesus Christ to the exclusion of all other religions and belief systems that do not have at their foundation the gospel of Jesus Christ that comes from the truth of the word of God. What would the church look like, you guys, if we all became Christian nationalists? I could tell you what it would be. It would be a righteous, holy, communal love fest. That's what it would be. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be all about. All the more as we see the day approaching. You know I love you, right? I really do, or else I wouldn't say this. It's impossible to be one another's. It's impossible to do this one another's stuff of the church that we're supposed to be doing in isolation. There's no such thing as a Christian isolationist. Our strength is in numbers. Our strength is in the community and fellowship of the church, of the believers. It's impossible to sit at home and fulfill the one another's. It is. I'm not beating on anybody to say that. I'm just saying, I'm just giving you truth that if you want to be obedient to the Lord, and if you want his blessing, you've got to love his church. And you've got to serve his church. And you can't do that on your own. Some people are like, I don't need the church. I... You know, I'm an island all to myself. Okay, fine. Fine, if you believe that about yourself. It's not true, but if you believe that about yourself, fine. But we need you. Because if you, if you hold the Holy Spirit of God in your heart, then God has gifted you with a specific gift that the church needs. And if you're not here, then we're missing out on that gift that God gave you, the Scripture says. We do this all in community. So here's the message. All the more as you see the day approaching, especially now that you see Jesus return right on the horizon, hold tight to your hope, love the church, and here's the last thing, remember the Lord. Hebrews 12.2 says, keep your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Some of your versions would say, fix your eyes on Jesus the author of our faith.
and the perfecter of our faith. Paul said in Titus 2, 14, Jesus gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. Did you see that? Did you see that, church? Did you see what he just said? Why did Christ come? What was his purpose? To make us his own people, make us his church, and people who are totally committed to doing good deeds. All the more, as we see the day of the Lord approaching, the writer of Hebrews says, remember the Lord Jesus who gave his life for our sanctification so that we can be saved and that we can be changed into his image to make us holy and blameless before God. That's why he saved us, to free us from our prisons of selfishness and our prisons of pride and to release us to the love in full humility just like Jesus did. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is why he came and he died. We are supposed to be people, as people of God, who love the Lord God, our God with all of our hearts, and we're following hard after him, going hard after him, and the result of that is that we will love each other better, and when we do those two things, then the world will know that we are his disciples, and we will, we will influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, this is what we're being called to all the more as we see the day approaching but look at Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 one more time. As we remember the Lord, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. The end of verse 3 says, think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Just think of it. And as we go to our time of communion now and we remember the Lord, think about all that he's done. Isn't it interesting that the Lord Jesus Christ told us that he wants us to remember him and remember his sacrifice, remember his death on a cross and the shedding of his blood. Remember this until I come, he said. You know why he did that, I think? Because he knows how fickle we are. And he knows that on a regular basis, we, his people, need to remember that he suffered at the hands of sinful men. And part of that remembrance is, if I can do it, you can do it. Because I have given you the power to hold up and to not get weary in doing good. Trust me. So when times get hard, remember the Lord. When the bottom falls out of our culture, remember the Lord. But our lesson tonight, today is, as you see the day approaching, as you see the worsening of humanity, as you see the increase in lawlessness, as you see wickedness being spread throughout the whole land, all the more Hold tight to the hope of his glorious appearing. Love the body of Jesus Christ. And remember the Lord. What an awesome thing that he did for us so that we can enjoy the relationship we have with him and with each other. I'm going to send you to that time of remembrance right now. And I want you to just examine your heart as the our team sings this song over us. Thank the Lord for what he's done. Ask him to give you the strength and ability to be faithful here at the end of all things. To be hopeful in his coming and to love his church. God bless you as you remember what the Lord has done for you. See on the hill of Galilee, my.
Lord Jesus said, when you eat this bread, which represents my body that was sacrificed for you, remember me. Let's remember the Lord together. And then he said, this wine represents my blood that was shed for you. We know the scripture says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So if he did not shed his blood, we would not be forgiven. So he said, as you drink it, remember me. Let's remember the Lord. Let's all stand together. Let me just thank the Lord for us corporately. Father, I thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, and being willing to sacrifice him for our sins. Lord Jesus, thank you for humbly emptying yourself of everything and becoming a servant to the will of your Father, which was to give your life willingly so that we can be saved. We thank you for that. And we just want to commit to you that we will live our lives with that in our minds as we go out of this place today. And we won't waste your grace in the way that we live. 
And Holy Spirit, we thank you for coming and knocking on our heart's door and opening our eyes to the truth and opening our ears to hear the message and opening our hearts to receive you and giving us the spirit of humility to confess our sin before you and to receive your gift of salvation. I thank you for that. We're gonna sing about what he's done one more time here, but while we're in this moment here, if you don't know the Lord and you know in your heart you don't know the Lord as your savior, I've got really good news for you. The Bible calls today a day of salvation for you. You can be saved today if you would just come and receive him. If you would just pour out your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and repent of your sins and humble your heart before him and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, the scripture says you will be saved. You can be saved today and enter into this wonderful thing called the family of God. I hope and pray that that will be true for you today. Lord, and strengthen all of us and inspire all of us in the truth of who you are and that we are yours and you are ours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What he's done. What he's done. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. Amen. All right, now's our time. As we go out, we get to use our gifts to serve the body. We need to get, use our gifts to uh, greet one another. And um, let's just practice with the holy kiss right now. Let's just go for it, you know, and make it happen. <laughs> yeah, just, just goofing. God bless you as you go. Let's work on loving each other and loving the Lord. You're dismissed.